Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You know, over the weekend, the Trudeau government vaccine mandate certainly came into effect, which means we now have thousands of less trucks on our roads. And on January 22nd, unless something changes, the Biden administration will follow suit with the same kind of mandate on the American side. And despite warnings um, from the trucking industry and supply chains and, and, and that this could further cripple um, the flow of goods into this country and leave shelves empty, also driving up the cost of food, they are moving ahead with this full steam ahead. And so you're going to start noticing it soon. In fact, I was uh, grocery shopping on the weekend and you do see uh, shelves emptying out products that just simply aren't available. And so who's going to feel this the most? Well, we'll all feel it. No question about it. And it will probably happen in the next week. But those who are going to feel this the most are those who can least afford. We're talking about low income people who are already struggling to buy food, but also charities and groups that, you know, their whole mission is to help those in need. Reverend Todd Bender is founder and executive director at Hamilton's City Kids. He joins us now. Reverend, great to have you. Uh, Evening, Alex. Thanks so much for having me on tonight. Well, you know, I had Ron Foxcroft on the show uh, last week. We've been talking, um, you know, quite a bit about this trucking story and the implications of what happens if they're pulled off the road. And, you know, he, of course, put me in touch with you guys because, you know, you have spent your last three decades helping those in vulnerable communities get things like food, um, make sure that they're protected or or have what they need. And um, this is something you guys are going to feel. Yeah, for sure. And Alex, this is one of the reasons why um, we've been tracking this story. You know, before the pandemic uh, hit, uh, you know, as most of of us know by watching the news, we know folks that are, you know, living in vulnerable communities that are struggling to get by. We're already uh, facing some pretty steep challenges, but the pandemic came and, you know, we've tackled all, we've had to basically triage on the health crisis, but uh, this issue of poverty and all these uh, challenges that were existing before kind of got lost. So what we've been watching is, is, just as the cost of living has increased, uh, and so many other challenges for families, um, all of these things are going to have and having a tremendous impact. So, you know, when the pandemic hit, we had to change everything we were doing. You know, City Kids is, I often say, one part Disney and one part Mother Teresa. You know, mm-hmm. we were busing in mm-hmm. tons of kids for our indoor program, but we had to repurpose our buses. And when we talked to families and to our kids, one of the things they talk about is the access to food, being able to feed their families, feed their kids. So we started loading up our buses with thousands of boxes of, of family meal kits. Last year, 7,000 of these boxes. But even at the end of the year, Alex, we're having trouble with supply issues. And a lot of the stuff that we do is perishable. So we, we yeah. really try hard to give those fresh, fresh fruits. And those are the things that are getting really, really difficult. And, of course, with this issue happening now, you know, in, in the wintertime, you know, we export a lot mm-hmm. of fresh produce from the states. And so... I've been following the story because my concern is it's already been difficult for us to supply and support families, let alone our families being able to get out and afford, let alone have to uh, 
uh, to the food that they need and the other essentials as well. So it is really concerning for us. And I think it's going to be, I think there's going to be a long-term lasting impact that, um, I guess, you know, Alex, one of the things that frustrates me so much, and I know governments have a, a tough job to do, but, you know, when we make all these decisions and, and uh, all the policies are being made and the delays and all those things, it's typically the most vulnerable that pay yeah. the deepest and, and steepest price. And I think when you're on the front lines, as long as I've been, uh, those are the things that uh, start to frustrate you. Absolutely. I mean, part of the job of being in government is managing, um, you know, policy decisions, you know, the fallout of it. How will it affect who and what it what the impact will be? Um, and there's no question. Um, you don't have to say this, but I will say this. I mean, a lot of the, of the decisions being made during this pandemic from politicians are very political and they don't seem to be thinking what will the consequences be of this particular policy. Um, and so groups like yours are, are being impacted the most. And Unfortunately, uh, you know, because COVID gets all the attention, groups like yours seem to fall under the radar. Has your group and other charity groups been talking to the government? They say that they're talking to groups uh, and making sure that everything's okay, but have you reached out to them? Do they understand the impact on things like charities? Yeah, Alex, it's really hard um, to, to understand that's, uh, you know, in terms of the priorities that are guiding their decisions. Uh, we've got a lot of great um, organizations in, in Hamilton, and, and certainly we're very fortunate in Ontario. We have a lot of great charities that are reaching out and trying to do the best they can to support uh, their community. And there's a lot of great advocacy groups uh, happening as well, too. But I, I, whether it's the complexity of the decisions and all the things they have to weigh out, I, I, again, I think the frustration often for me is the fact that some of these decisions, look at the delay and some of the, uh, the issues that are going to happen with the, uh, the supplies, uh, and demand uh, pieces, it's going to definitely be an inconvenience uh, for, for a lot of people. But for families living in poverty who are, you know, just trying to get by day to day, uh, it really is life and death. So whether or not mm -hmm. that message is getting clear to the government, uh, I don't know. And often I wonder that if there's so much focus on the triaging of what's happening in society that, you know, a lot of the issues that we've been working on to reduce poverty and to, to break this cycle, uh, those have gotten uh, pushed to the back burner. And, and look, at I get it. I, I, I'm also, uh, you know, not someone who sits and complains and, you know, about, uh, you know, what I wish, you know, was, was different. But I think, I think it's so often that uh, families that we work with, they don't have a voice. They don't mm -hmm. have the opportunity to talk about, you know, the challenges day to day. And so, you know, when these issues come up, these things are important to us and we try to Joe, just to say, hey, when these decisions are being made, the people that pay the deepest price that are that are hurt the most are those that are most vulnerable. And and as we delay decisions, um, those types of things, it's it's people that are on the margins uh, yeah. that really are going to feel the impact. And it was already I mean, the housing issue prior to this was also an issue that we were dealing with. And so yeah, these every little thing adds up uh, and creates yeah. a, a little bit more uh, challenge and barriers for uh, for families. Yeah, and it comes at a time when I don't think the need has ever been greater. Um, you know, there are just so, so many people who have lost jobs or, um, you know, they have no stability. They may be dealing with mental health issues that have gone, you know, un unchecked or developed. I mean, there's just a lot of need in a lot of different areas. And so what are your biggest challenges as far as um, which not able to buy? I mean, food has gone up so much even before the trucks were pulled off that, you know, if you're on a, a fixed income, getting things like fresh fruit 
fruits and vegetables and all the food that mm-hmm. you're really supposed to eat to keep healthy healthy right. are actually now out of reach. And so I suspect you and other organizations are having to give stuff that maybe isn't the best, but it's what can be afforded. Oh, no, 100%. That's exactly right. I mean, it's not just about making sure children have adequate food and families have adequate food. You know, we also want to be able to support nutritious food as well. Um, You know, in Hamilton, there's over 5,000 kids each month that are accessing our food banks right now. So when you think of work like City Kids, like our food banks, uh, the the food banks in Toronto, all of them are having um, some of the most challenging times, almost doubling uh, the number of people coming to to the food banks at the same time getting access to this food, the donations for food has decreased as well. So definitely any the nutritious items are the toughest ones and often the ones that come with the biggest price tags and I think are going to be the most difficult to get a hold of. So yeah, absolutely. Food banks, any services that deal in supplying food and support for families are going to find it really, really challenging, not just to access yeah. them, but also to afford it. Well, you know, one of the other fallouts of not going to school, kids um, miss out on things like breakfast programs because all of those things are shut down. And so, you know, there there are costs to these lockdown measures. Um, Reverend, before I run out of time, what kind of help do you need right now other than the trucks to get back on the road? But what are you asking for? What do you need maybe to kind of help you along? Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's the same request that, um, that uh, many of my colleagues are asking is that, you know, in a time when all of us are feeling, uh, you know, inconvenienced and are trying to deal with our own uh, challenges, those of us that can, that can help, those of us that are in a position that do, that do have some resources, to reach out just to your local community, to the local agency, see what's happening, see what they're doing. So many agencies like ours are struggling for volunteers. So many are struggling for uh, for, for resources, financial resources. So my encouragement always is is that mm-hmm. if you can do something, if you have some resources, if your family's cared for and you're grateful for the support and, and what you have, just take a moment to think about maybe those in your community, your neighbor, yeah. um, organizations around you that may may not have that, and think about what you can do. Every little bit, Alex, helps. We always say every okay. little bit, every little bit of support uh, can go a long way. Well, Reverend, I very much appreciate you chatting with us today. We will keep in touch. Hopefully this is a short-term thing, but nonetheless, uh, the need is there. It's going to be there for a long time, and uh, we will continue talking. Very much appreciate your time on this. Well, likewise, Alex. Thanks for having me on. That's Reverend Todd Bender. He is with a group called City Kids out of Hamilton. Uh, City Kids, spelt with a Z on the end, so if you can help out. Uh, these are the groups that are hurt by political decisions made on polling and politics versus what is actually needed. And so, you know, here's another group just uh, paying the price. Stay here with us. I'm Alex Pearson. This is On Point.